Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Our text for today comes from Psalm 37, verses 1 through 8. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. All right. All right. Well, it's good to see you. Today, we are continuing a series that we started uh, back a couple weeks ago on simplicity. On simplicity. Uh, We live in a world that is growing ever more complicated and very noisy, to be frank, right? We live in a noisy world. And in this series, we've been talking about the importance of embracing simplicity in our lives. Uh, We talked the first week about the simple spirituality of Jesus, which was just the encouragement of Jesus, that the primary thing that we need to focus on is to love God with all our heart and with all our souls and to love others as ourselves. And then last week, we talked about how uh, simplicity is important as it pertains to our material goods, that uh, too often in this world, we believe that the, the acquisition of material goods is the way in which we acquire our happiness, but the scriptures teach us over and over and over again that the way in which we achieve happiness in this life is to sacrifice our own material goods on behalf of other people. And so we talked about how embracing simplicity in and around our material goods is so very important if we're going to live in the kingdom of God and if we're going to be people who are actually joyful in this world. We need to embrace simplicity as it applies to our material well-being. And this week we're talking about the thing that I think is probably leads to more noise and more of the busyness of our culture than almost anything else in what, you know, modern American life. And that is the omnipresence of all forms of media, of media, right? We live in a noisy and a media-filled culture. You can't turn on your TV, you can't turn on your radio, you can't pick up your phone without being nearly inundated with an endless stream of information. Does anybody have information overload sometimes? Like... I heard one person say that we, are, we were not created to gain all of the information that we have access to on a daily basis. That actually we were, we were created to live with like between like 10 and 100 other people and we were to, meant to be concerned with their activities and our own little corners of the world. And that was really, and then we were supposed to watch like half an hour of nightly news a, a day. And so we get a, a smattering of what's happening around the world. And then we're concerned with basically what's happening in our immediate vicinity and bring most of our lives and our energies to bear there. But there's so much information that's pouring into us. So many of us are so worried about so many things 
We're, we're worried about things that are happening overseas, and we're worrying about things that are happening in Washington, and we're concerned about all of the manner of different things that are occurring, and that's just the news, right? Add into that all of the different forms of media that we have in this world, from television to radio to video games, and then Facebook? My goodness. Add that in along with all other forms of social media, and we are a, we are a distracted people at the very least, right? So I titled this sermon series, or this sermon for today, uh, uh, Simplicity and the Madness of Media. Woo, man, what a title. I almost thought about calling it uh, Dr. Strange in the Metaverse of Madness. See, that's a, that's a Marvel reference that only like three people get, but I was going to do it, but then I realized I'm not that big of a nerd. Uh, except I am because I thought of it and I just said it to you. So, uh, but here's the thing, right? With the rise of digital media, our worlds have become far more messy and things have got, gotten far more difficult today than they were before. There is a glut of information, there's a glut of opinions and facts and lies and entertainments and distractions and you and I, as followers of Jesus, have to make decisions about what of, of all of that kind of cloud of media, what we let into our eyes and our ears and our hearts, right? We have to make decisions about that. And so it's important that as followers of Jesus, we actually do the work of discerning what might be healthy around these particular issues. What is a healthy way of conducting ourselves in the world in order to deal well and healthily with all of this media that is all around us. So, uh, we know for a fact that there are consequences to, in the real world, to an overabundance of media in our lives. Just over the last month or so, you might have heard about this story of a whistleblower at Facebook who essentially leaked thousands of documents that speak to the negative effects of their social media platform uh, platforms like Facebook and Instagram on, uh, on not only adult brains, but also the negative consequences that those social media platforms have on adolescent and children bra children's brains. But the thing is, right, a lot of people got mad about that when it came out. But the thing is, we knew this, right? This is not new to any of us who have spent any time on these media platforms, right? Uh, this week, I was watching, uh, it was kind of a TED Talk type thing, but it was a a former Facebook executive who is now clearly a billionaire and owns a stake in the Golden State Warriors. It feels like every billionaire owns a stake in the Golden State Warriors. But he, he was a former executive at Facebook, and he was talking to students at Stanford Business School and was, was asked about the ways that the Internet, and specifically the Facebook like platform that he works on, exploits consumer behavior. And when the, when the interviewer asked him this question, he got really dour. And he first said, I feel shame for what I've done, is the first thing he said. But then he goes on to say this. He says, the short-term dopamine-driven feedback loop that, has cre uh, that we have created are destroying how society works. Okay. He, this, this person is not a Christian. He said, no di civil discourse, no cooperation, misinformation. And it's eroding the core foundations of how people behave by and between each other. And I don't have a good solution. Thanks, buddy. Uh, my solution is that I just don't use those tools anymore. 
I haven't for years. It's weird. I guess I just instinctively did not want to be programmed, so I tuned it out. <laughs> Crazy, right? He continues on to say that his children, of which he has five, are not allowed, not only on Facebook, they don't have any screens whatsoever. And the, the interviewer asked him, uh, what about a phone? And he says, and he says, when they turn 16, they can go get a job at Burger King like I did, and they can buy their own phone, <laughs> right? So, uh, which, crazy. Social media platforms and media in general have driven by a desire to make money, right? This is what these platforms are for. Have intentionally designed themselves to keep customers like you and I to keep and to hold to keep and hold our attention for as long as possible. This is how they make money. This is uh, what psychologists call a kind of social validation loop, exploiting a vulnerability in human psychology that wants stimulus, but also wants to feel a sense of human connection. These are what these social media platforms are doing. Basically, we are discovering that most social media platforms stimulate a reward center in our brain that is very close to the same reward center in our brain that gets stimulated by things like slot machines and video gaming. It's the same uh, brain functions that are occurring there. But here's the thing, here's the thing. I'm not, I'm not equating Facebook with gambling. What I am saying is that there are similarities. And the, social, and, the, and the platforms and the people who design these platforms have an understanding of what these things do. It's not to, to, to say that they are simply value neutral, I would argue, is not necessarily true. Now, full disclosure, I am on Facebook, I am on Instagram, more than I would like. And this is not uh, me on high with a perfect antidote to, to how to deal with these structures and systems. Our church, for instance, has a Facebook page and uses it regularly. We, regularly. we understand that there is a necessity at, and there is purpose and there is some good that comes from these platforms. But as we engage with the kind of media ecosystem that we all swim in, we have to be aware of the fact that these things are not just vying for uh, for a, uh, they're not just out there to be a help, a help in our lives, right? They are actually vying for our attention in such a way as to keep us on the platform so that they can make money off us, right? This is, this is the baseline understanding of what these things do, and it's important for us to be aware of them. So we know that there is a problem here, right? Just a quick look at books this morning on, on Amazon. I was like, I, I just thought to myself, I wonder if there's any books about dealing with this particular problem, particularly in terms of the internet, right? And I just, this, I, I, I clicked like internet problem books, something like that, digital addiction books. And all of a sudden, just a glut of books popped up. Uh, digital Detox by Catherine Price. Um, what the Internet is Doing to Our Brains by Nicholas Carr. Um... Uh, uh, and a book called Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. Nearly, and, and here's the thing, nearly all those books were bestsellers. Those weren't just like, those weren't just little books. It becomes, it's becoming particularly clear in society that we are becoming aware of this fact that there is an issue, that we are becoming distracted, addicted, depressed, and more anxious. And part of, the part of what's contributing to this is the way in which we engage with media. Specifically, I would argue, the way in which we engage with media on our phones and in our pockets. And so, the, the question then is, how do we deal with this issue? Not as a culture at large, but as followers of Jesus. Because 
I've outlined that there's a lot of issues for culture when we, when we talk about different forms of media, right? But I'm not so concerned about the influences on culture as I am about the two troubling issues that I see in regards to the way in which we, uh, we take in media for the Christians, for Christians and those who claim to follow Jesus. I think there are two primary issues, and these are the two issues I want to center in on today. The first being media's power to form our hearts, to actually the power of media to form our hearts and our affections. That is the power that the media has to actually shape our desire. Do you know that your desire, your, your heart, what you want out of it, what you love, those things are shaped over time, right? You don't, you don't spring into the world loving and caring and wanting. You are shaped into a loving and caring and wanting person. Does that make sense? You are first nurtured into those ways by your parents, and there's some, there's some, uh, there's some genetic realities there too, but for, by, by and large, we are shaped into this type of person. And there is something about the media that we consume that actually does this work of shaping our hearts, right? To form us, to form what we want, what we desire, and what we love. So that's the first thing. And the second concern this morning is media's power to crowd out the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Those are the two issues for me that I think are most important. The, the media's power to form our heart or our desires and media's power to crowd out the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You see, a preoccupied and distracted mind doesn't help us grow in our awareness of God's loving presence, does it? And that's basically what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. And so, this morning, I want to look at those two issues, the media's power to form our hearts and media's power to crowd out the voice of the Holy Spirit, through the lens of Psalm 37. So that's what I want to do this morning for the rest of our time. So first, I want to look at this first issue, issue number one, media's power to form our hearts. There's a Christian philosopher, somebody I like a lot. I read every book that he writes. He's coming out with a new one here uh, in, the, in the spring. His name is James K.A. Smith. He wrote a really good book, if you're interested in this, called You Are What You Love, which is about how we form our hearts, right? And uh, he points out really clearly that the thing that most determines who you are as a person, the thing that is most determinative about what kind of person you are going to be is what you love or what you desire, right? And just think about that for a moment. What I love, what I want, what I desire is, is the thing that determines the most about me. The most important thing about you is what your heart goes to and what it wants. And if you think about that question, or you think about that issue, I think Jesus, <laughs> I think James K.A. Smith agrees with Jesus, but I think also Jesus agrees with James Smith. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 15, uh, verses 17 through 20. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the thing that comes out of a person's mouth comes from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, uh, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, not eating with unwashed hands. Uh, that does not defile a person. 
So Jesus says here, in, a se- in essence, right, that it is our heart that matters. It is what is inside of us. It is our desires that then determines what comes out of us. And uh, Smith goes on to say that, uh, that the thing that determines, and it's, there's, a, there's a double side to this, the thing that determines what is in our heart tends to be the, the clearest indicator of what is in our hearts is our daily practices and habits are a prime indicator of what is in our hearts. But your heart is also formed by what you give your attention to and your daily habits. Does this make sense? What you give your attention to, your mind, and your daily habits form your desires, right? And very often, this happens on an unconscious level. How much of your day are you consciously making decisions to do the things you're doing? on an average basis. Not all that much, right? How many of you get in the car and drive to work and you park and you get out and you go, how did I get here, right? You're nearly unconscious so much of our day. And so much of our day are just kind of automated and habitual. So much of our day, it's so, it's so automatic that when I wake up, I turn this on and I look through my email and I scroll through Facebook and, I, and I, I scroll through people's stories on Instagram, and I kind of look and see what's happened while I was asleep. Last night I found out that the 49ers won and the Green Bay Packers lost, which was a little disturbing to me. Uh, but uh, some people are excited about it. But there's this automated nature to much of our lives, right? Because so much of our lives we run on an unconscious and habitual level. And this is especially where media comes into play, right, as it forms our hearts. Because we habitually, I promise you, your, most of your media consumption is habitual, right? I'm used to turning on the TV at 6.30 at night to watch X. I, on Friday nights, we watch X movie, and I really don't even think about it. In the morning, because the kids are nagging at me while I make breakfast, we turn on... Spidey and his amazing friends, right? This is what we do, or Paw Patrol, or something of that nature. And then my big kids get mad because those kids, those shows are too baby for them, right? It's habit, it's habitual, it's habitual that that I grab my phone every 15 minutes just because I get that little itch or that little impulse in the back of my brain that says you have to pick up your phone and you have to see what happens. If you have notifications on your phone, right, that ding or pop. Oh my goodness, every time your phone dings, you are a slave to that thing habitually, right? We know this. We know this. This is how we live our lives. And so much of the way that we give our attention and, we, and, we, and those habits that we take on are not conscious, are they? They're not conscious. And over time, what we take in forms our hearts and our desires. It really does. If the, if the primary media you take in is angry and vindictive, if it's argumentative, quarrelsome, that's a good Bible word, right? Your heart is being formed in that direction. That's just a fact. If the, if the, the primary media, media you're consuming is always telling you that, that this is what a beautiful person looks like and this is what a healthy person does, Right? then you, every time you see that, you will assume that as long as, I don't, my, as long as my life doesn't map to that person's life, then I in some way or some, somehow fall short. 
Anytime I see that old friend from high school who posts a picture and seems like they're doing a lot better than me, and I get insecure in my heart and I wonder, I'm 38 years old, how could they be doing so much better in life than me? And that, that, that ping of insecurity strikes my heart. Those are all forming me and forming my desires to be a certain kind of person. And we just need to be aware of that. You see, every time you're in the grocery store and the line's a little long and you can't just sit with your own thoughts and you pick up your phone, or you're in the doctor's office and all 12 people in the doctor's office are all looking like this and not looking at one another, or you're sitting at home in the morning, or you're sitting in bed in the middle of the night when you can't sleep. Or you're just bored, right? And you take out your phone. This media, we must admit, is forming us. And we need to be aware of it. I need to be aware of it. But we know this, right? That what we give our attention to forms our hearts. And Psalm 37 says something very interesting about that. Beginning in verse 3, this is what the psalmist says. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. And now verse 4 is where I want to settle down. He says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Take, the, take delight in the Lord. Pay attention, is another way of putting that, to him and he will give you the desires of, his, of your heart. Now, I don't think this is a formula. I don't think this passage of Scripture is a formula, that if you do what God wants you to do, then he'll give you what you want. I think this is a formation verse. This is about paying attention to the Lord and seeing our desires come into alignment with his desires. Does that make sense? The more, the more attention we give, the more delight we take in the Lord, our desires will naturally, over time, come into alignment with His desires. And then, once your desires are aligned with God's heart and His desires, then obviously it will be His good pleasure to give you whatever you ask, right? Because you're not asking for anything that He doesn't already will for you. To, to, uh, to give our attention to God in prayer, not, but not just in prayer, in the regular and routine pattern of our lives, in the quiet moments when we're feeling insecure and we offer that up to God in humility, in the, in the angry moments when we can't control a situation and we want to burst out and we say, Lord, to you, would you please take this anger? I, I give it over to you. And we, we are present in the moment with God. When we are present in the moment, moment to God's loving presence. When we live in Christ, as Paul says, and we cultivate a through-going awareness that the love and grace of God is present to us. When we do that, our hearts will be formed in that direction and we will, be, and we will become people whose hearts and characters align with God's heart and God's character. In essence, we will want what he wants. Now, never perfectly, right? We're all broken in some sense, but we will, we will want what he wants. But the problem with media, in, the, in the, the most basic way I can put it, is that it makes us want things that God would, does not want us to want, right? It makes us desire things that God would not have us desire. 
It makes us put our energy and our focus in places that God would not always have us put our energy and focus. Now, are there good things that come from social media? Yes. Is it nice that I'm able to message all of you on Facebook, right? Yes, it's wonderful. It's, that connection is nice. Is it, is it nice that, like, I knew it was Aaron's birthday today because, hey, wave at us, Aaron, because Facebook told me, excellent, excellent feature of that, that social media platform, right? Actually, Jocelyn told me about it last night. Uh, anyways, uh, but it's, it's good, right? There are some good things that come from that, and there's some good connect, like, connectivity that, that occurs, but we always have to be cognizant of the fact that these things are forming us and that, and that uh, we need to be cognizant of the ways that we're using it and to make sure that we're not always on autopilot. Does that make sense? Good. So that's the first thing. That's the first issue this morning, is that it forms our habits and that our hearts are most formed by what we give our attention to and, our, and by our daily habits, and we need to be cognizant in the way our media consumption affects those two things. So that's the first. The second this morning is media's power to crowd out the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And here's what the psalmist says in Psalm 37, beginning in verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness, your, your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. In verse 7 here, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. Be still before the Lord. Many of us in our modern media climate are allergic to stillness, right? We are allergic to stillness. We can't be still. We can't be quiet. We need input, right? Like, I need to turn on YouTube in the back while I'm making dinner because I can't just make dinner. I have to also watch a Hallmark movie, right? Or I have to be stimulated by some news, news anchor who's just making me angry or afraid all the time because anger and fear are more pleasant to me than just being quiet with my own thoughts, right? And so we're always engaging with media sources as a means of keeping us busy. And the truth of the matter is that while God can break through, right, the noise of our day, he would prefer that you be silent and listen to him. He really would. Part of a healthy spirituality is learning to be content and silent and to be still before the Lord. And if the media environment we are swimming in is always blasting stuff in our ears, we are never, we are never going to be able to hear you all know the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal, right? Elijah performs these big, powerful, showy miracles before the prophets of Baal. And then he gets so scared and he runs out to the wilderness and he expects God to speak to him in some big and profound way. And God speaks to him in the still, small voice. You see, God, while very capable of doing big and showy things, most often speaks to us in stillness. And if our media consumption is so significant that we cannot be still, we need to make some significant changes to reorient ourselves. We need to make some significant changes. So what type of changes should we make? How should we go about 
moderating or controlling the way in which we uh, imbibe media, the way media comes into our hearts and to our minds. What are the rules, Nick? Tell me the rules, right? I don't have any, rule, any hard and fast rules for you because we're all different, right? All of our jobs require different things of us. We all come from different generations, and our generations very often will determine a little bit of this. I would say for older generations, one of the temptations, right, with your excess time is to be on uh, things like YouTube and Facebook too much, right? For younger generations, very often it is to be engrossed in your phone or some social media platform. That is part of the problem as well, right? But I like the phrase that Richard Foster uses in our book of the month on the freedom of simplicity. When dealing with uh, the complications of our lives, he says... We need precision without legalism. We need precision without legalism. We need to make precise decisions about how to simplify our media consumption without giving in to a kind of legalism that says, if I, if I, um, I have to do this in order to please God, right? So we must, I believe, be precise with our use of media without being legalistic in the way in which we apply that precision. Now, that might sound difficult, but I think it's a needle we need to thread. So, for instance, for some of you, it may be good for you to be radical in the ways that you cut out some forms of media. If the YouTube personality you've been watching is taking up too much residence in your head, you probably need to cut it out for a period of time. That book, Digital Detox, that I said earlier, suggests that our, the synapses of our brain are so on fire all the time because our, of our, our, like our media environment that we swim in that it takes a minimum of 30 days to come off of some of these media sources in order for our brains to even calm down enough to begin to make healthy decisions about how to engage with these sources of media. So maybe for you, it's, it's a bit of a detox. Maybe... February is a great month to just say, I'm going to uh, delete all of, the, uh, all of the apps from my phone that are always calling my name and try to detox just a little bit from those things. I would say, especially, and this is where we need to be pretty ruthless with our, and real with our own situation, we need, to, we need to really evaluate whether there's some significant addiction issues in our lives as it applies to media. If Netflix and video games and YouTube are keeping you up late at night on a regular basis, so much so that you can't walk through your day sh as sharp as you should be, you can't get enough sleep, for instance, then there's a, there's a chance that there's an addiction issue there, right? And we need to begin to wean ourselves off of those addictive platforms. As I said earlier, this is, there's no judgment here. These platforms were created to addict you, right? And so it makes sense that from time to time you would need to take a step back, right? You need, you need to fast, in a sense, from some of these platforms in order to really then be able to engage, re-engage in a healthy way. You see, it is important that we need, to be, we need to be precise. A biblical word is shrewd in our disciplines around all forms of media, so that we can control what is, in our, what is coming into our hearts and so we can control the noise level in our lives. So if you, you're in this place and you need to take a prolonged break, do it. If you're in this place, uh, these social media platforms are a part of your job, like they are mine. 
Maybe you just need to set up two or three times a day, right, where you're on them to do the work that you need to do, and the rest of the time you put it down. Maybe you're, you're on your phone too much, and you don't want your kids to see you. You don't want to set up a pattern of life where your kids always see you on your phone, and so you have to set up some guardrails. You have to put a place where your phone is, right, or you don't sleep with your phone. Um, <laughs> that's a funny thing. Uh, or, you know, it, it sleeps in another room, right? It sleeps in another room, or you have a charging station where it is, or you have a no phones at the dinner table, hard and fast rule, right? Whatever, whatever that might be, one, one rule, this sounds ridiculous, but one thing that has helped uh, me, for, and I've just been practicing it more this week because I've been writing this message and feeling really convicted, uh, is that I won't do two screens at once, right? So if my kids are watching a show, I won't be on my phone. I will be watching the show with my kids, right? They'd be like, oh man, Nick is saintly. He's only watching one screen at a time. But it's true, right? Just, just, to, be, just to be able to like kind of curtail how much information is coming into our heads at one time. We need to begin this process of really being ruthless as followers of Jesus with the ways in which media is affecting us and what we're taking into our hearts and brains. And, and here's one thing I will say. Um, I am totally aware of the fact that the primary way in our current media climate that these uh, television shows and YouTube personalities and Facebook people and Instagram influencers worried about the same thing, same thing they're worried about. And this is a tool of manipulation, all right? Meant to manipulate your hearts. And, we, and my general orientation is if somebody is angry, I don't need to listen to them, all right? If someone is angry or vindictive or trying intentionally to stir me up in some way, whether it's about politics or whether it's about some global issue or whatever it is, it's best to turn it off. I, really, I, I would really advise that. And my last kind of uh, little bit of advice today for... Um, for dealing with some of the media that we experience is that we cultivate community as an antidote to our media consumption. That we cultivate community as an antidote to our, uh, our, to our media consumption. I, there's an author, his name is Wendell Berry. He is a farmer and a writer and a poet. He lives in Kentucky. And he talks a lot about how when he was growing up, in the part of Kentucky that he grew up in, he lives in the same place he grew up in, that in the evenings, especially in the winter, all people did was like carry a lantern over to each other's house and sit in a living room and tell stories five or six nights a week. And then they would, then it would get dark and they would go home and go to bed. And they would come back and they would tell the same stories again, right, to entertain their friend, the same story, and then they would go back home. And they would do it over and over and over again. And he's and he taught, he writes beautifully about the reality that this community formation creates and how that we have replaced that kind of community formation um, cultural piece with being sold dish soap on the news, right? That's what we've replaced that with. We've, we've been, we've, you know, you go, oh man, that detergent looks amazing. I got to go buy it. Or they have another flavor of Doritos? My goodness, bring it into my house, right? That's what we've replaced the deep roots of community with in our day. And I would say, 
uh, part of how we push back against the media climate of our day is to build deep roots of community. And this is where the church comes in. How are you involving other people from the Christian community in your life? How, on a regular basis, and I know uh, COVID has really broken down some of these fabrics in our culture over the last two years, but how are we intentionally involving ourselves in these things? So, how, so that's a great question. How is community replacing some of my media consumption? That's a great question to be asked. And the, th the last thing I'll say this morning, and I know this is really, we're ending on a really practical note, but it's kind of a really practical message, and so that's how it goes. But um, part of the way we push back against our media consumption is to value the good, value good music, value art well and, and care about it, value good books, value significant travel, right? If you are too busy to read, you are too busy, right? If you are too busy to read, you are too busy. And, dis and uh, I loved this from, um, from our author in our book of the month. He said, discover prayer as an evening activity, <laughs> right? As, uh, as something that we are invited into. You know, part of my, one of the habits of life that I'm trying to build into my own daily rhythms is that three days a or four days a week, the days that I go into the office, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I am trying to do both morning and evening prayer, not just like one quiet time. And, and by that, I'm not some Herculean person. I, they're not as long as, I'm not praying for three hours in the morning and three hours at night. Um, sometimes it's like five minutes at night, but trying to cultivate that rhythm in my life as a, as a means of uh, building into my day patterns, habits, rhythms that are, that, are, that are significant and break up my day and keep me focused on the things that I need to be focused on. As we, as we learn to value the beauty of our world and really value it and not just kind of sleepily take in all of these forms of media, we can find that our hearts will be formed. We can be like the psalmist and we can be still, we can learn to be still before the Lord, right? And we can learn to take delight in the Lord and allow his character and his spirit and his goodness to form us rather than all of the things that we watch and take in that form us. That is the, that is the opportunity that is made available to us. Now, I want to end on one note of grace. Zach, if you could come up, we're going to end on a note of grace and then I'm going to pray. But one note of grace, we all swim in this world, Right? We all live in this culture. We all have varying levels of engagement with different forms of media. I am old enough that uh, I grew up with the internet. I am the generation who literally grew up with the internet. I remember before there was an internet, when I was in, when I was in junior high, we had dial-up internet. When I got to college, we had high-speed internet, and then, you know, then we had Wi-Fi, and we were off to the races. Like, I grew up with the internet. So I remember the pre, during, and post of all of this. And one of the things that was uh, amazing to me was watching the ways in which I had numerous classmates in college because I didn't have high-speed internet until I got to college. So I got to college and with the first two years, I had four friends drop out of school because they found online role-playing video games. It was this early game called EverQuest. We called it EverCrack. Um, they couldn't do their schoolwork, right? because they were addicted to this video game and then they had to drop out of school. 
It's like Ashley likes to say that social media is like smoking in the 20s, like nobody knows how bad it is and how it's actually affecting us. Uh, but we do know now. Uh, but the reality is we all live in this world, right? We all live here. We all live in this media environment that we live in. We're all kind of on equal footing. Some of us have different difficulties than others as we engage with it. But here's the thing. We're all invited into a healthier engagement with our media culture, each and every one of us. Whatever your particular issue is, whatever you have on the background of your life that kind of drones, whether maybe it's just talk radio when you're driving around and you're like, gosh, that's too many words. And you can turn it off and you can drive in silence and you can make your heart available to the goodness and grace of God. We have an opportunity, right? We have an opportunity to be formed into Christians, into Christ-like people, into people who look like Jesus. We can cultivate hearts like Jesus. And we can use media savvily, shrewdly, with intelligence, and so that we can become the healthy people that God would have us to become. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? There is no doubt that all of the things that I listed off, something came to your mind, right? Whether it's like, whether you're like me and you're like, I came to the conclusion this week as I was preparing this message that I like can't touch this thing before 8 a.m., right? Like I can't touch it. If I touch this thing before 8 a.m., it puts me in a bad headspace. So it's one of my commitments. Like I just, I'm not going to touch my phone until 8, right? Until the kids get on the bus, I'm just not going to touch it. Whatever it is for you, maybe it's Twitch, Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's Facebook. Maybe it's YouTube. Maybe it's uh, just the TV's on all the time, and you never turn it off, right? It's always tuned to that news outlet that's always making you mad, right? Whatever it is, whatever it is, how can, as we pray here in a moment, just ask the Lord, how can I cultivate a heart that is, that is after Jesus, and how can I cultivate a quiet spirit that creates space for the Holy Spirit to speak to me. All right? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you, God, for all the gifts of our modern world. We thank you that we can talk to our friends who live in other parts of the world. We thank you that we can keep in contact with all of our high school friends. We thank you for all of the blessings, God, that media has brought us. But we know full well, God, that these forms of media also are vying for our hearts. And we, Jesus, want to give our hearts over to you. And so, God, would you help us in the coming days and weeks figure out what ways in which you're inviting us into a different orientation towards whatever forms of media we tend to take in? God, would you help us to remember that we don't need all of this information and all of this noise in order to be where you are? That wherever we are, and however nervous we might be about the world, we're always safe in the kingdom of God. And that we can find it in any moment, no matter how busy or how frazzled or how um, worried we might be, we can find you in that place. That your loving presence is always there and available to us. So Jesus, would you give us the courage to make maybe some decisions that might be a little hard for our own health and for the health of our families? But would you give us the courage and the direction to do that well? And we pray it all today. In the name of Jesus, can I get an amen? Amen, amen. Would you go today 
in the grace and in the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week.